You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Sophie is off tonight. Another emotionally charged day in BC Supreme Court with verdicts being handed down in the case of three youths accused of the stabbing death of Luca Gordick. The 19-year-old was swarmed in Whistler in May of 2015 after a confrontation with a group of other teens. He was stabbed three times. Arvin Golich has already been convicted of manslaughter. The judge today is deciding the fate of three others, one accused of second-degree murder, the other two charged with manslaughter. Catherine Urquhart is live in downtown Vancouver right now with the day's developments. Catherine, this has been a marathon for families. Sure has been, Chris, and it is packed inside the courtroom as friends and family anxiously await a verdict. The judge has been going over details of the case since 10 this morning, so it has been a very long and tense day. The judge referencing a number of details about the case, including surveillance video taken before and after the attack. Also, DNA that was found on the shoes of the accused. As mentioned, the courtroom is packed for the verdict, and there has been a lot of tension previously between the families involved in the case. A number of sheriffs have been here milling about ready, just in case there is any conflict. And we will bring you details of the judge's decision as soon as that comes down. Chris, back to you. All right, Catherine, thanks very much. Jill Bennett still in the courtroom, and we will bring you the latest details when they become available. Thank you again. All right, most of us are familiar with the whoosh of a SkyTrain passing by, but it appears that sound is being replaced for some by ear-piercing squeals in many parts of Metro Vancouver, and complaints are on the rise. Jennifer Palma is in New Westminster with the latest. Can you hear that sound? Well, some residents living near certain SkyTrain station lines say it's become too noisy and disruptive. Metro Vancouver residents are getting fed up with SkyTrain rail noise. There's some days where it is um, louder than others. You can hear it like more at night than in the day. With time you can adjust, but that doesn't mean that it is not noisy. It's noisy. Noise complaints are going up more than a thousand in three years. There was a time when people were living away from SkyTrain stations. Now we have, you know, everybody's clustered up right up close to our SkyTrain system. It's a great place to live for people, easy access to transit, but it also means they're more sensitive to the noise in the area. The worst offenders, eight locations in Vancouver, Burnaby and New Westminster. 10, 15, 20 years ago, people didn't develop around SkyTrain. Now we have uh, upwards of $18.5 billion worth of infrastructure, like new residential development being built around our SkyTrain system. It's, it's virtually unheard of in North America, the kind of transit-oriented development we have. TransLink is listening, getting ready to do a noise assessment study. Depending on the findings, they will tailor their response. Some solutions, noise barriers, station improvements, retiring old cars, or modifying rails. Have you noticed the trains getting louder? Some of them, the older ones. Sometimes they seem to be running on square wheels. If we had a magic wand and we had a lot of money, uh, we might say let's get rid of the Mark 1s because they, they do tend to make a little more noise than the others. Um, but uh, is that fiscally responsible? You know, that's, that's the question. So 
when will the noise improve? Well, an assessment will be done starting next year. Then they'll analyze that and come up with some solutions that won't be rolled out until 2019. Back to you. All right. Thanks, Jen. Vancouver Mayor Gregor Robertson wants new multifamily developments in his city to be made available only to local residents first. And he's proposing changes to make it official city policy. But critics say it has more to do with politics than affordability. Ted Chernecki explains why. If Vancouver's mayor has his way, those lining up for those pre-sale events at future housing developments will be exclusively local residents, at least for the first month or two. There have been people getting challenged by getting access to those pre-sales and, uh, you know, with a lot of speculation investment in the market, uh, some of the local buyers never even get a shot at new buildings. West Vancouver Council forced the developers at a large condo development in Horseshoe Bay to give locals the first chance to buy. This after the project was initially marketed exclusively in Hong Kong. Buyers also had to sign a declaration that they or a family member would actually live in the unit and not flip it. You need to offer this first to local residents. West Van did it. Uh, so we've, we've seen an example of it already in the region. So I think it's right now, given uh, the pressure in the market. This is a great big, uh, gracious living room. Very but spacious. critics say there are issues of property ownership and even constitutional rights on a variety of levels to deal with. And one councillor believes this has more to do with politics than property. One week before a by-election, suddenly the mayor wakes up and realizes that uh, there's a problem here. Uh, it's a bit of a Hail Mary on his part, uh, and whether it's enforceable or not is a big question. The real issue, says the councillor, is bureaucracy. It takes too long for small developers to get the necessary permits. Uh, Envision Vancouver have created so many layers of policy and bureaucracy that it's just a, a, a red tape hell. We're, we're seeing unprecedented growth of jobs, our economy's booming, but housing is a short supply and uh, we need to be sure people who live and work in Vancouver are part of uh, the economic growth we're seeing have that opportunity to be here. In West Vancouver's case, the developer has in the past suggested about 50% of the units have been sold to BC residents. Tetranaki Global News. One of the many victims of a BC woman who conned hundreds of people out of more than $100 million is speaking out in anger and frustration tonight as the woman who took his money appeals her prison sentence. Here's Romina Dea. It crippled me financially. It changed the way I do things. It changed what I have to live on. Dave Peters says he will never financially recover. He's one of 200 investors defrauded of more than $100 million, according to the B.C. Securities Commission. Do you have anything to say to the victims? Please leave me. I've said what I've said in court. So just leave me. Rashida Samji, a former notary public, hit with a $33 million fine by the commission in 2015. Then in completely separate proceedings, Samji was found guilty in criminal court. The punishment? Six years behind bars for 14 counts of fraud totaling $16 million. Double jeopardy, says Samji's lawyer, arguing you can't be punished twice. I think this is why people do not have much faith in the legal system anymore. It's very hard to understand their reasoning. No consequences, no justice, says Peter, given Samji is at home on bail. She hasn't paid one cent of the $33 million fine. There was never any intent that she would have to pay it. She had no means of paying it. So I just find it really hard to understand how you can consider a fine a penalty if there's no penalty for not paying it. 
Now, Samji's lawyer refused to comment today because the case is still before the court. The three appeal court judges reserved their decision, so it could be weeks before the victims get a verdict in this case. Chris. All right, Ramina Dea in Vancouver, thank you. The international effort to save a baby beluga. The undersized cetacean was found washed up on a beach in Alaska, clinging to life. Now it's getting the very best treatment in the world, thanks to the Vancouver Aquarium. Why BC has the best experts in just over a minute. Wow, if you were on this plane, would you ever want to fly again? Pilots pulled off what looks like a miracle with hundreds of passengers on board while the cameras were rolling. That's coming up a little later. And which animal wins the real-life tortoise versus hare race? Yes, it actually happened. That's also still ahead tonight. Right now, though, the race is on to help a beluga calf that was found stranded and alone in the waters off Alaska last week. It's one of only a few hundred of its kind left in the world. As Linda Aylesworth reports, experts from the Vancouver Aquarium are joining the international effort in the extremely difficult task of caring for this struggling newborn. Last Saturday, while flying over a beach in Alaska, a state trooper spotted this, a beluga whale calf, stranded. The calf is probably about two to four weeks of age. Part of the very, very endangered Cook Inlet population of beluga, numbering probably about 325 individuals now. It was alone, not another beluga in sight. So it was scooped up and transported to the Alaska Sea Life Center. Its condition? An animal that is in very poor shape, um, has a very low chance of survival, and needs a lot of work to, to help it survive. Emaciated, dehydrated, and who knew what else, the call was put out for help and quickly answered by cetacean experts throughout the United States as well as the Vancouver Aquarium. We sent our curator, Brian Sheehan, to Alaska. He has a tremendous... ...that people don't often get a chance to come into close contact with. It's a valuable animal. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. With thousands of Thanksgiving dinners about to hit tables across Metro Vancouver, a region-wide campaign is being launched, urging us not to dump that turkey grease down the drain. Metro Vancouver says it spends $2 million a year cleaning up what it calls fatbergs in the sewer system, formed when grease, cooking oil, butter or lard is washed down the drain, binding with other materials. It hardens and it's very difficult to remove. After successful pilot programs in Surrey and Richmond, Metro Vancouver residents are being asked instead to wipe it and green bin it. So if you're cooking your turkey, this can be very fatty. Let the fat cool down, solidify, take a paper towel, wipe that paper towel in, and put it into your, into your green bin and it works extremely well. Then we won't have these big fatbergs in our system which are causing huge problems. Breaking news for you. We now have a verdict in the Luca Gordic swarming and stabbing. We'll get to that right on the other side of this break. Also, new rules to limit traffic in Burrard Inlet. Third Beach and Cyrus Rock will become off limits to paddlecraft. Why paddlers say the port is going overboard next. And later, it actually happened. That's right. Who wins the race between tortoise and hare? Some breaking news now as we return to our top story. Verdicts of guilty just handed down in the trial of three youths for the murder of 19-year-old Luca Gordick, who was swarmed and stabbed to death in Whistler in 2015. 
Jill Bennett is live in downtown Vancouver. I know, Jill, you were in the courtroom when the verdicts were read out. Describe what you heard and what was the reaction. Chris, tensions were extremely high. There was shouting, there was yelling as the judge, after delivering this verdict, a verdict that he has been delivering since about 10 o'clock this morning, announced that the three accused all guilty. Two charged with manslaughter, one charged with second-degree murder. We can't identify them because of the ages of the accused at the time of the attack. You'll remember this was back in May of 2015. Uh, that time, Luca Gordich was killed in Whistler. He was stabbed three times. The fatal stabbing was to his heart and that made up a big part of the verdict that was read out in court today who delivered that stab was there more than one stabber and the judge ruling no the evidence points there was one stabber that is the accused now convicted of second-degree murder and the other two also part of that group involved in the swarming and some of the key evidence was some surveillance video from a nearby store where those three individuals were seen running from the scene of the crime Extremely difficult, Chris. The details that were talked about, that were relived again in that courtroom. The courtroom was packed with family members of Luka Gordich. And when that verdict came down, there was applause. But that applause then quickly turned into anger. There was shouting in the verdict. We heard that somebody at the time of the murder, the killing, yelled, I juked him, slang for I stabbed him. Someone in the courtroom yelled out, I should juke you. Uh, People are just leaving the courthouse now. We'll get more reaction on this and have more on this story coming up uh, later on this evening. Chris? No doubt a lot of reaction from those families. It's been very tense between everybody involved. Jill, thanks very much. I know that was a marathon in court today. We appreciate it. More coming up tonight at 11. Vancouver paddlers are accusing the Port Authority of trying to limit access to some of the waters off Stanley Park. But the port is saying the only changes to the existing rules will actually benefit kayakers. Aaron MacArthur sorts it out. It's really, really nice to be able to paddle along looking at, at uh, trees rather than buildings. Hard to beat a kayak trip out past Third Beach and Siwash Rock. What's more Vancouver than that? But proposed changes to shipping regulations could mean this will be off limits. Kayak groups say the port is overreaching. That area, if anyone takes the trouble to look on a chart, it's all uh, a dark blue, which indicates that the water there is 5 meters or less, so 15 feet or less. There's no reason why any freighter or cruise ship is ever going to want to be in there anyway, and if they do get in there, they're going to have other concerns to whether they're mixing it up with kayakers. The Port of Vancouver couldn't do an on-camera interview with us today, but say there's been an increase in the number of paddlers who end up in the busy shipping lane. And they say there's always been a ban in place from Ferguson Point, where we're standing now, straight across to West Vancouver. The port argues the new regulations improve access for kayakers, shortening restricted zones in several areas around English Bay and Burrard Inlet. Kayakers worry the new rules will mean a loss of business. If there's no actual enforcement on the ground of, of the existing rules, then maybe people will think, um, oh, well, then the rule about not being under, under um, Lionsgate doesn't apply either. Or the rule, yeah, Crete, exactly, Crete. Yeah. So we're asking for clarity. The port has opened its proposed amendments to public commentary. The last day the public can weigh in, Sunday the 8th. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Another B.C. man with an amazing story of survival from Las Vegas coming up. And the Mandalay Bay Resort takes a big step in putting the massacre behind it.
windows at the Mandalay Bay Hotel Casino that were smashed out during Sunday night's shooting massacre in Las Vegas were being replaced today. Police say they still don't know why gunman Stephen Paddock opened fire from that 32nd floor room. Authorities say they are confident, though, that there was not another shooter ever in Paddock's room. Officials are now planning to put up billboards in the city looking for more tips in the shooting rampage that left 58 people dead. Nearly 500 others were injured. And one of those victims is recovering with family on Vancouver Island right now. Zach Belitsky is grateful to complete strangers who came to his rescue after he was shot in the leg. As Nitu Garcha reports, he could see muzzle fire coming from the hotel windows as the bullets rained down on the crowd. I was, I was not going to make it if, if it wasn't for those people. Five days after being shot, bruised and beat up in Las Vegas, all Zach Bolitsky can think of is the kindness of strangers who risked their lives to save his. It uh, no doubt has changed my outlook on life and the, and the good in humanity and, and the ability of people to help one another out. Bolitsky was at the country music concert with two friends Sunday night. They were near the stage when they heard crackling. But it quickly became clear it wasn't the sound of fireworks. I remember actually running and, and looking up and, and seeing the muzzle flash over and over from the gun. He lost his friends in the ensuing chaos. They made it out uninjured. But when Belitsky ducked for cover near the stage, he was shot in the upper leg. As he lay there in a huge pool of blood, panicked people trampled him. Until a group, including an off-duty police officer from Texas, picked him up and carried him to the road. That's where they got into another stranger's vehicle. He threw me and two other people that had been shot into the vehicle, got us, he, um, he tourniqueted my leg, got me, held it the entire way. Belitsky was taken to a trauma center and got immediate surgery, where he woke up to his mother by his side. Hug your kids every day because you just never know when. When does something so innocent might be the last moment. Now the 27-year-old Lower Mainland man is on Vancouver Island with his parents recovering and reflecting on how he got lucky in a life-threatening situation. If one of them wouldn't have gone right of all of those things, you know, I'd, I have no doubt that I, I wouldn't be here. Bringing a whole new meaning to giving thanks this long weekend. Neetu Garcha, Global News, near Victoria. Good luck in the recovery, Zach. All right, this next video is going to make you hang on to your seat, even if you're on solid ground. An Emirates A380 jet comes in to land in Dusseldorf as it's buffeted by very strong crosswinds. When it finally touches down, it nearly skids off the runway, veering wildly from side to side. The skill of the pilot's the only thing preventing this from ending in tragedy. It is reported that no one on the jet was hurt. A little rattled, maybe. In health matters, tonight disturbing new statistics about the worsening drug uh, epidemic in the Okanagan. Even with increased availability of naloxone and supervised consumption services, 50 people have died in Kelowna over the first seven months of the year from a drug overdose. That's compared to only 47 in all of last year. At that rate, twice as many people are expected to die this year compared to 2016. And Kelowna's death rate per capita now exceeds that of Vancouver. Health officials say ongoing stigmatization of drug use prevents people from actually seeking help. Vancouver plays the long game, planning for a World Cup victory. The payoffs and the problems that would come from a winning big for FIFA World Cup 2026. 
You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Yes, apparently it actually happened, with the hair getting out to an early lead. But we'll tell you who won this real-life matchup right after the forecast. Does slow and steady really win the race? We're about to find out. Yes. Christy's here now with a look at the forecast heading into the Thanksgiving long weekend, and it looks pretty good. It does. And this is a little bit um, deceiving, though, Chris, this image. It's actually fairly stormy out there. Uh, we've got very strong winds, which I'll show you in a second. First, though, participation is helping Canada celebrate 150 years by presenting 150 ways to stay fit. And tonight's suggestion for you is paddle boarding. And I uh, think that maybe you could do it towards the end of the long weekend. That's what we have to look forward to is, yes, a little bit of sunshine. But breaks of sunshine out there right now, but some dark clouds and still a number of showers across the region and it's the winds that we're seeing look at this hammering williams lake right now with 81 kilometer an hour winds a litton 78 and we're seeing it right across much of the province including the south coast now so far the peak winds have been up to about 50 kilometers an hour but we're still expecting the potential up to 60 kilometers an hour through the latter part of the evening we're not expecting the winds to really die down until later tomorrow but they won't be as strong as what we're going to see through the next six hours or so. Now, looking at the radar imagery, you can see that, yes, still a number of showers across our region. So although we're seeing some breaks in the clouds, don't think we're in the clear just yet. Uh, the cold front, though, is going to swing out through the overnight per- periods and shove a uh, sh- sort of shift off into the Alberta area. But in behind, can you see the spotty conditions there? That's your Saturday. Cool and showery weather. That's what's expected. So we'll see mainly cloudy skies, possible breaks of blue sky, but certainly a number of showers expected with breezy conditions. So across the region, mainly cloudy, some breaks here and there with a 60% chance of showers. A few areas down through the south, only a 40% chance of showers. Areas like Revelstoke could see a risk of thunderstorms in the afternoon. And Vailmont, cold enough that there's a chance of an isolated flurry in the morning while it's cold enough before it changes to showers. So South coast region, mainly cloudy, scattered showers. The majority of those showers pushing in from the north. So areas like Vancouver, a little bit of a break with more sunshine because it breaks up as it moves over the North Shore Mountains. But this is what we're looking forward to Sunday and Monday. Beautiful conditions with highs of 15 degrees. And then as majority of us head back to work. We'll back to showers as well. Phyllis Olney celebrating 100 years from Alert Bay and Mavis Wanamaker also 100 years and two more ladies celebrating 103rd, Albina Foisey and Phyllis Peterson. And our weather window for tonight was taken by a six-year-old, Chris. This wow. is Ryder's great shot from earlier this week. He sent me a few of his uh, photos because he's really uh, trying to... Um, Well, he's doing a lot of photography these days, but he took these shots of uh, combines as cutting down, I think he said grain or oats. So great shots. Thanks, Ryder, for that one, and congratulations. It's harvest time for Ryder and his family, I'm certain. All right, thanks very much, Christy. Well, it's one of the most beloved of Aesop's fables with the lesson slow and steady wins the race. Is that what actually happens, though? Maybe that's why this video of the real thing is going viral. Now, we don't know exactly where this happened, but it was staged last year and it is just getting worldwide attention shared around the world now. A tortoise and hare racing on a short track. The hare jumps out to a quick lead, but then appears to lose interest in the whole exercise. Stops, looks around, and true to the story, the slow and steady tortoise just keeps on trucking. The tortoise better pull the chute. 
There it is right now. Hit the brakes. Slowing down. Is that it? We ran out of it? We ran out of video. What a shame. <laughs> what a shame. All right. Thank you, Anita, for dumping out of that as quickly as you did. Uh, okay. On the topic, maybe he's thankful for newfound celebrity. Global's fifth annual Thanks for Giving event yesterday has given BC's food banks a huge shot in the arm. Perfect. Got it. Thank you. We set up three collection locations in Surrey, Maple Ridge, and Victoria to take in food and cash donations for food banks right across the province. They are still tallying up the donations, but at this point, the cash donations are about $40,000. They're still going through the mountains of donated food, too, to get a final tally there. And you can still donate. Find out how at globalnews.ca slash bc. I, uh, I donate monthly. To the food bank. I saw you tweet about that. Yeah. I didn't know you could do that. I did it by texting, and you can still do that, mm-hmm. 41010, and it'll ask you how much you want to donate. I did that, but you can do it monthly. Yeah, and I, I don't do a ton. You don't have to do a ton, but every little bit helps. And then it's on a monthly basis, so it's spread throughout the year for them. They, can buy, they can buy more with it, and that way I guess they, they know how much they're getting month to month, so mm. a good way to do it. Hello, Squire. Okay, you showed a tortoise against the hare. Tomorrow night... Connor McDavid. Fastest guy in the a NHL. Faster than the tortoise, a <laughs> little bit faster than the hare. Here's what Bo Horvat says about him. It's the fastest guy in the NHL. You saw how fast he was going on his breakaway there when he scored. Yes, speed kills. Can the Canucks stop McDavid? They'll talk about that when we come back. Also tonight, don't forget, satellite debris coming up. Vancouver is buzzing with news the city is potentially in the running for the biggest sporting event in the world. The World Cup of Soccer, at least part of it, could be here in 2026 as part of a North American bid. Nadia Stewart is on World Cup Central Commercial Drive in Vancouver. And Nadia, how confident are people about its chances? Yeah, very confident. Vancouver has hosted the Women's World Cup and the Olympics, and some say that proves our city has the infrastructure and the experience to do it again. From the Rugby Sevens to the Women's World Cup to the Olympics, Vancouver, no stranger to hosting the world's best athletes. But now the city is one step closer to having a FIFA 2026 World Cup match played right here at home. We really like our our chances to go all the way through if the bid succeeds, and it means huge things for Vancouver. The U.S., Mexico, and Canada joining forces to put forward a North American bid to host the Men's World Cup. Ten matches split between Edmonton, Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver. Cities ready for big-ticket events. We don't have to go throw tens of millions of dollars at brand-new infrastructure right across any of the three countries. We're there, we're ready, we have great facilities, we have great communities, we're, we're ready with stadiums, transport, airport, everything is there. And what isn't there now could be when it's needed. Bob Leonarduzzi believes real grass will temporarily replace BC Place's turf should we win the bid. He's eager to see what a win could mean for soccer in Canada and beyond. The United States hosting the World Cup in 1994, the legacy of that is MLS. One of the requirements when FIFA awarded the Americans the World Cup was that they start up a professional league and If they hadn't hosted the World Cup, you and I wouldn't be talking right now because there wouldn't be a Vancouver Whitecaps or MLS. In 2015, the Women's World Cup generated $80 million in revenue for Vancouver, over $400 million nationwide. But what we could see here in 2026 would likely eclipse even that. The Men's World Cup 
by history as a bigger event, so you can just think about that scaling up from there, and it's, it's really millions and tens and tens of millions of dollars worth of economic impact to our community, and that's fantastic. Now, it will be a while before we know whether or not Vancouver made the final cut. Look for that announcement in June. Back to you, Chris. Nadia, thanks very much. Kind of too bad with Squire with us now that we got to wait 10 years for that, if it almost 10 years, I guess. Well, but there's a, there's a lot of potential ahead. there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> there's a lot of potential there, and it is doable. Oh, I, it's doable. I mean, um, Nadia mentioned, and we talked about this yesterday, the one thing that all the stadiums will, with turf will have to do is put grass on top of the turf. And that's been done before. When the U.S. had the World Cup in 1994, a lot of the stadiums they use, I can't remember exactly how many, did have turf fields. They just put grass over top, and it was fine. I mean, yeah. it, it, it didn't have a problem at all. So they, they can do it here, too. But, you know, the thing is, I think that, oh, look, I got the Canucks and Oilers already. Um, <laughs> Anita, Anita's, she's, she was tired of watching the tortoise, and now she's trying to get well, the sports going. we got nice ties and everything. So uh, I was just going to say, I think Vancouver will get at least two of the games for sure. I, yeah. There's no way we'll be left off this uh, Vancouver. But remember, Mexico and Canada only get 10 games each. 60 of the 80 games will be in the United States, and they'll get all the knockout games. Mm-hmm. We will get a couple of preliminary games. And Vancouver is not the only Canadian city that's part of this bid. Toronto, too. Montreal, Edmonton. The real question is usually the host country gets its team automatically entered because there's three host countries. A question will be, will Canada get in for sure? Mm. So we'll have to wait and see if that happens. It's okay. been, a while. been a while since we qualified. Take it now away. Now I'll talk about those guys. Uh, tomorrow night, the Canucks raise the curtain on, I believe, their 48th NHL season, and anyone 19 or over will get a free beer. That's a nice gesture, and maybe someone down at Rogers Arena thinks a slight beer buzz will help you to watch the Canucks face the Oilers. I'm not sure. We all know there have been changes to the Canucks, new coaches, some new players, certainly a new philosophy. What features does the 2017-2018 Canuck model have? Well, we asked Eric Branson for the synopsis. I think we're playing a more exciting brand of hockey this year. Uh, we're playing a lot faster and a lot more aggressive. Um, so it's so we're going to be hounding the puck. Uh, we're going to be tenacious everywhere. We're going to be a lot more physical. And it's, it's going to be a different game and uh, one that's more exciting to watch. Yes. Travis Green wants him to play faster, and that's possible with quicker passes. What's not possible is any of the Canucks keeping up with Connor McDavid. It's like playing hockey against the flash. His hands, his head, his feet, they all are moving at the same speed, which is what makes him great, very much like Pavel Bure was. And for the Canucks, facing McDavid is like playing on the freeway. Sooner or later, you're going to get run over. Trying to walk into the corner, but he's turned it over. And back the other way comes McDavid. McDavid cuts in, scores! Connor McDavid made it perfectly clear on opening night. He intends to take it up a notch in his third NHL season, which has got to be a frightening thought for those who were paid to stop this sort of brilliance. Brandon Sutter will get the checking assignment on opening night, doing his best to slow down the NHL's fastest, most skilled player. McDavid scores! The biggest thing is just an awareness of where he is on the ice. and um, You know you know if they're D have the puck and he's winding it up. Uh, if you're standing still in the neutral zone, uh, you're pretty much screwed. So I think it's a, it's a key to kind of get up on him a bit and, again, try to take away his time and space. He creates a lot for himself, so uh, just maintaining him, keeping him in front of you is a huge key. Uh, trying to match his speed is going to be key, and then when you get the chance to be physical on him. 
Easy to say, tough to do. To a man, NHL players marvel at McDavid's ability to skate at warp speed and at the same time make spectacular plays with the puck without slowing down. Brendan Gauntz played a half year with McDavid in the OHL. He had a lot of goals like he did the second one there where it just kind of no one on the ice could, could have that goal like he did. So, I mean, it's just little things like that where his goals are pretty spectacular. What a goal! Bo Horvat has played alongside McDavid at the World Juniors and skated with him in the summer. And while he marvels at McDavid's skill, it's his drive and determination that is just as impressive. You know, he always He's always trying to find that extra edge. I mean, he's still, I think, his, he hasn't peaked. He, he's still, he hasn't hit his ceiling yet. He's, he's going to you know, just continue to keep getting better. And you, know, you have to have a lot of respect for a guy like that. He's got the personality to be a superstar. He, he's laid back and... He kind of lets it all come to him. He, he's, he doesn't soak it in, and, and his ego doesn't grow because he's getting better at hockey. I think he, he's the perfect personality to have it, and, and I'm happy for him. Very Delay, Global Sports. The Whitecaps play the Red Bulls in New York tomorrow, 2 o'clock hour time. All our time, make that. Yes, our time. Uh, and Vancouver Whitecaps are our team, so I guess it all made sense. All Vancouver needs is a win in one of its final three games to guarantee at least second in the West, and that would give them a first-round bye in the playoffs. If they win all three of their final games, they will finish first in the West. Nobody could touch them. And why are the Caps so much better this year than last year? Well, it's very simple. Better players and more of them. I said the 11 players aren't going to win you MLS Cup or try and get you in the playoffs it's going to be 20 odd players or 22 players and, and that's what we've used this this year and I've said from day one with the Champions League games we had and the, the four games against Red Bulls and then Tigres that I needed the whole squad and with the travel we know we've got you know a, a shocking travel schedule and we've had that but we've dealt with it and it's credit to them in there you know I won't take any credit away from them boys in there because they deserve where we are at the moment but we want to try and finish the job off here's how not to win a major league playoff game Mookie Betts, nice catch in right field. Now he's going to try to throw Marvin Gonzalez out at home. Whoa, what was that? I need a closer look. Marvin Gonzalez scores. Yes, he makes the catch, and when he goes to throw it, whoa! It's a second straight 8-2 win by Houston over the Boston Red Sox are up 2-0 in that series. Okay, Lions tomorrow, 4 o'clock, home to the Ottawa Red Blacks. BC needs this one, and they need to stop turning the ball over. The Lions lead the league in turnovers. That cannot continue. i got to show you this from yesterday. Barry DeLay was out at Lions headquarters trying to interview quarterback John Jennings, and then he got Manny-bombed. Emmanuel Arsenal wanted to get in a worthy plug for the community work the Lions did for the food bank. Here we go. Feel me? You I, just look mine quicker than yours because you the guy, so go they can get mine going. Oh. I gotta go too. No, so yeah, you know quick. today, you know it was really good to get out there today to interact with those in the community. For us, a little food bank drive because you know sharing is caring. But you know, hey, it's a team, so we like to keep the community atmosphere going on. And we just, hey, we all in this thing together. Go Lions! There it is. Oh. That was solid. <laughs> I hope that camera was on. Yeah, it was rolling. That was my interview. <laughs>
John. <laughs> yeah, the camera on. was on. I love Manny. There you go. He's great. All right. Thanks very much. And yes, thanks to the Lions for helping us out. Here's Jay Durant now with a preview of what's coming up. Global News at 11, including some of that breaking news we had earlier. Yeah, that's right, Chris. We'll have a lot more on the guilty verdicts in the case of three youths accused of the stabbing death of Luca Gordick. The 19-year-old was swarmed in Whistler in May of 2015. Obviously, a lot of emotion today waiting for this decision. We're gathering reaction right now outside of B.C. Supreme Court, and I'll bring you all the details tonight. That, along with the rest of the top stories coming up on Global News at 11. All right, Jay, thanks very much. And when we come back, it's satellite debris it with is. Squire. We're back. We left it off for a few weeks. That's right. Coming up on ET Canada, we visit the Bachelor Canada mansion with host Noah Cap. It's Colin Mockery's hilarious tour of the set of Murdoch Mysteries. And Drew Scott takes us inside his rehearsal for Dancing with the Stars. That's coming up at 7 right after the news hour. Back to you, Chris. All right, thanks very much. Uh, we got Satellite Debris, a comeback edition. Yeah, well, we had to take the... Uh show on the road we couldn't do satellite satellite debris right. doesn't travel well no no it doesn't <laughs> oh no wait a minute i think we ran it when we went to granville island yes oh, the last we two weeks we didn't yes. okay did we yeah, yeah, yeah not yeah. from port moody last okay week, um so anyway uh red bull always has these soapbox races where you gotta you make crazy soapboxes and there was actually one on west fourth I can't remember when. We had, we had an entry in that. You guys were talking about that. I don't remember it, but there was a news desk. It was like a news box. desk that went down the hill. I don't think we won, but we, at least we got it to the finish and no one got killed. Uh, <laughs> so this one takes place in London, England. Then I'm going to show you a cat and a dog doing something in the pool. You Perfect. won't believe it. Here we go. Ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're wondering, I bet. Okay, so here we go. Now you got to dress up, and then you have to have, you know, you've got to have a, a very interesting and unique machine. So this is some sort of Austin Powers yeah, Union Jack mobile, which doesn't make it all the way down the hill. It goes into the hay bales, but they're both okay. Here's a guy who just turned 50, and he decided to drive his birthday cake down the hill. Didn't go so well. Oh, good thing those candles weren't lit. And this is just a workplace accident waiting to happen. What? Oh, oh. And he's okay. What was he supposed to be? He's just on some sort of moving ladder. Dog and cat in pool, but cat isn't getting in the water. That's the dog's job. So the dog acts like a fairy for the cat. And look how cool the cat looks. I mean, that's the great thing about cats. It's like, there's no problem here. I got this dog well-trained. He's yeah. not going to dip me in the water. I'm just going to check it out. That's pretty funny. He you know, does that little shaky thing that all dogs do, and I just hang out over here. That's right. So cool. I got this. It's all cool. Oh, and, of course, all of it captured on a GoPro. Of course. That's, of course, what you do with one. That's what you do with a GoPro. You hook it on your dog and cat. Okay. <laughs> okay, speaking of which, sort of like GoPros, Toronto Zoo. So at the Toronto Zoo, they have pandas. Yeah. And they decided over the course of the year, they always have a camera going on the pandas. And they notice the pandas, they have this little jungle gym thing in the uh, enclosure there. And they're falling and all over. They don't get hurt, but they sure do a lot of falling. And they put some music to it. I think it's from the Barber of Seville. So here we go.
Rubber is on the wild. How? I don't know. I don't know how they survive. I don't think I've seen you laugh that hard in a while. That's great. That was very uh, goofy. And they're all they're all fine. They all bounce right back up again. They're, they're yeah. great. Yeah. I've seen them before many times too. Just the last couple of days because they those two pandas are moving to the Calgary Zoo, oh, so they right. put that all together. Put the same yeah. show. I've on. seen it, but it gets me every time. Okay, so here we go. Uh, last but not least, um, Warburton's bread and over in England, and this is a commercial featuring Sylvester Stallone. Here we go. Ooh. Good morning, Warburtons. Mr. Warburton, there's a Mr. Stallone on the phone. What? The Mr. Stallone? Hello? Is this the Jonathan Warburton? Yes. The guy that basically delivers fresh bread to thousands of stores every day? Yes, but... Uh, no buts, Johnny. You're giving me a great idea for a movie. Now picture this. It's 3.30 a.m. Black Rod. I play a tough, uncompromising Warburton's delivery driver, commanding a crack squad of bakers help bent on being the best. It's make or break time! And the last of your freshly baked loads are getting packed and stacked. I'm locking and loading. By 4 a.m., Showtime. Nothing's gonna stop us from delivering toasty loaves, wholemeal, snappy one-liners. Time to earn my crust. comes to delivering fresh bread on time, the oven gloves are off. Sylvester Stallone in, the deliverer. Hurt. Talk to me, John. Tell me the bit about the bread again. Warburton's delivered fresh from... For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.